All right, take your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Probably one of the more simpler messages that I preach, so if you'll just bear with me. Um, asking the Lord to use the message, no matter how simple it is, it is the Word of God. Uh, but I do want to say thank you to our uh, gentlemen that run the live stream, uh, to Seth Turner, uh, to Keith Sizemore, uh, Brother John last week for running the cameras, um, even though we weren't present some of the nights. Uh, y'all did an excellent job running the live stream, and I want to thank y'all for doing that. Amen. Uh, tonight, because of uh, the technology we have, uh, my dad from Texas is joining us through the live stream. Uh, good to see you, Dad. Uh, my sister is also joining us, and uh, so we're just thankful for the live stream, thankful to uh, be able to have that tool to use. Now, just like with any tool, we don't want to abuse it. Uh, we don't want to take advantage of it when we don't have to, uh, but we do have that tool, and we're thankful to the Lord for that uh, tool. And... Uh, tonight, I, I, I want to uh, preach a message to you that, uh, that really was laid on my heart during the super conference, uh, and the title of it is, is Errors of Not Knowing the Scripture, Neither the Power of God. Errors of Not Knowing the Scripture, Neither the Power of God. Uh, this was laid on my heart during one of the, the, the messages that was preached, and it's one of those verses that kind of stuck, uh, stuck out to me, and I began to meditate and ponder uh, is there any error in my life where I do not recognize the Scripture or the power of God? Uh, God, the Holy Spirit, would you reveal this to me? Would you show me if there's some kind of error in my life like there is with these Sadducees that we're going to read about in a moment? And if there's any error where I'm not acknowledging and, and the Scripture and the power of God, uh, would you reveal that to me so that I can get that right in my heart? So we're going uh, to cover that subject tonight. And um, so if you would start reading with me in chapter 12 and uh, verse 18, turn 47 today. So I pull out the readers with pride because <laughs> I have to, not with pride. <laughs> uh, verse 18, it says, then, then, came un- then come unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. This is very important because this is one of their beliefs. Uh, Now we know the cute saying that uh, the difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, they were fair, you see. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, they were sad, you see. Uh, That's how you can remember some of their belief systems. But nonetheless, uh, something cute that we we remember these these, um, religious folks by, but the Sadducees say there is no resurrection. That's important uh, because of how they're going to word their question. Uh, And they asked him saying, this is the first word they used, master. He was not their master. Uh, he wasn't, th- this is sarcasm, uh, but he didn't answer, the, answer these guys as critically as he answers the Pharisees. Uh, he didn't call them hypocrites. He almost answered them uh, in a way that they were spiritually and scripturally ignorant, um, and it's, it's interesting how Jesus answered them. But anyway, they start with master. Uh, Moses, wrote on, wrote, Moses wrote unto us, if a man's brother die and leave his wife behind him and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were seven brethren, and the first took a wife, and dying left no seed, and the second took her and died, neither left uh, he any seed, and likewise, excuse me, and the third likewise. And the seven had her and left no seed. Last of all, the woman, uh, the woman died also. And, and here's the sarcasm. You can almost see it dripping off of them. In the resurrection, therefore... They don't even believe in the resurrection, but they're trying to trap him uh, with a hypothetical illustration that they're, they're making. And uh, before I read on, be careful with hypothetical questions. 
Uh, Jesus dealt with this scripturally, uh, but what happens is people are going to tangle you up in their own webs with um, hypothetical questions. It's happened over and over and over. Uh, One of the main ones we hear is, and I've heard this from lost people that don't want to be accountable to God, uh, they'll ask questions why. What about, what about those people in the jungle that have never heard? Uh, if you think everyone that doesn't believe in Jesus goes to hell, what about those folks? And, and I often answer those guys, number one, you don't know their past. You don't know the prophets maybe that they killed. You don't know uh, the wickedness that they may be in. Number two, you don't know, and we know, but you don't know that if they cried out to God that he wouldn't lay a, a burden on somebody's heart uh, to go out there and uh, to tell the message. Uh, we have 26, at least 26 families out of our church that are all over the world because of that call. And third of all, if you're so concerned, sir, go find them and tell them. It would be your responsibility at that time. But these hypothetical questions, is God uh, so powerful that he can create a rock that he can't lift? Come on. Be careful with that kind of stuff. It gets into a lot of, of junk. Even when you're dealing with each other, be careful of hypothetical questions that aren't reality. Uh, anyway, that's what they did here. Uh, we see here, uh, verse 23, In the resurrection, therefore, uh, when they shall rise, whose wife shall she be of them? For the seven had it a wife. And Jesus answering said unto them, Do ye not therefore err, because, you, because you, ye know not the Scripture, neither the power of God? For when they shall rise from the dead, right there is an indicative statement right there, when they shall rise, he, he wiped away their false belief and doctrine there. When they shall rise, uh, there is a resurrection. Now, he doesn't address the bodily resurrection here. Uh, when we get into uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we're going to see that they're not dead, but they're living, although they may not have a body, they're living right now. Because God is not the God of dead, the dead, but the God of the living. We're going to see that in this passage. In verse 25, and when they, had, uh, when, and when they shall ri- uh, raise from the dead, they neither are given in marriage, but are as, but are as the angels which are in heaven. All right, let's stop there. Um, and my mouth is extremely dry. Excuse me if I take a bunch of drinks tonight. But he, he talks about them, they shall be as the angels. That's one of the things that the Sadducees didn't believe in. They didn't believe in spirits. Uh, they didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in angels. And they did not believe in, in the resurrection. So what that tells me, these men were religious men that were rationalist. They rationalized every single thing in their Christian walk, or not even their Christian walk, in their religious walk. Uh, they did not believe in anything supernatural and, and that's why he tells them, he, he attacks their uh, illustration with that, that they didn't know the Scripture. Uh, you're ignorant of the Scripture. And he attacks their philosophy uh, that they were ignorant of the power of God and how powerful God really is. Uh, these things that they were ignorant of. Uh, but they didn't believe in angels either. And, and Jesus said that here in, in uh, verse 25, nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. And then he says, as touching the dead. That they, re- that they rise, have you not read? Are, are, you, are you ignorant of the scripture? Have you not read the word of God? Have you not read in the book of o- Moses how in the bush God spake in them saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of, of the dead, but the God of the living. Ye therefore do greatly err. Our error, you're in error, you're greatly err. Um, and so he's getting uh, the, to the truth of these Sadducees uh, trying to convince them that their belief system was in error. Uh, therefore, they weren't doing anything to please God. And uh, like I said in, in the super conference, um, the, the Holy Spirit began to work on me is, uh, is anything that we do, any aspect of our life, is it in error because we don't know the Scripture nor the power of God? 
Um, do you realize it's our, our responsibility to know the scripture, to study the scripture, to meditate on the scripture, uh, to memorize the scripture, uh, to share the scripture? That's our responsibility. Uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 and verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's our responsibility. This world and the things of this world do not want you studying your Bible. Uh, they don't want you to get into the Word of God. They don't want you to dive uh, deep into the Word of God. They want this world and the things of this world want you to do your little three chapters a day, not meditating or digging into anything uh, so that you do know the Word of God and you meditate on it. Therefore, you put it in action in your life. Uh, but the things of this world doesn't want you to do that. The devil doesn't want you to do that. The flesh doesn't want you to do that. And I believe that we are in great error not knowing the Scripture nor the power of God when we don't give ourselves wholly to the Word of God. It's something that each of us uh, have to battle with daily, and I'll get in that to a, uh, in, into a moment. So uh, the question here is, is are, are, are we erring because we don't know the Scripture nor the power of God? So this first part, I wanna, uh, just, I'm going to read a lot of verses, and just bear with me. You can mark these down. I'm not going to have you turn to a lot of them. Uh, but verses about the Scriptures, how powerful they are, and verses about our God and how powerful He is. Uh, so let's listen and soak this up because uh, this, this is the, the foundation of where we can avoid from error or having error in our life, knowing how powerful the Scripture is and how powerful our God is. Uh, and let us not be deceived in any area of our walk. Uh, so concerning the Scriptures, the Word of God says this in Hebrews 12, uh, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, uh, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of soul of, uh, excuse me, dividing of asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Uh, the word of God will cut deep into our heart and we know that and we understand that. And if you've been born again, the word of God did cut deep into your heart and it will continue to cut deep in your heart if you won't harden your heart to it. It will cut deep. It will get to the thoughts and the intents of every part of your being. The Word of God is profitable like that for us. Isaiah 40 and verse 8 says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. Uh, Luke 21, 33, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And then we see the power of God and preserving the Word of God for us. In Psalm 12, uh, 6 and 7, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them. Notice the power of God. It says, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation uh, forever. And we're so thankful uh, as, as 40 different men uh, from all walks of life penned the word of God in the Old Testament, the Hebrew and Daniel Aramaic and the New Testament Greek. And in 1611, God allowed men, uh, 50 different authors and men and translators to take the word of God into the English language and then he providentially preserved it for us so that we could have the, the divine scriptures in our hands tonight. Uh, as we study it, as we look over it, God in his infinite wisdom and power did that for us. Um, and so we, we, <laughs> it's our responsibility to study the book that he's preserved for us, uh, the miracle book that he's given us. And, and the King James Bible is the only correct version, by the way. Uh, those online watching me on the internet, I, I thank you for allowing me in your living room right now. Uh, but get you a King James Bible. The devil is very slick on this. 
God preserved the King James Bible for the English-speaking people, uh, but the devil counterfeited a whole bunch of different uh, versions from different uh, corrupt texts to keep people blinded, uh, to keep them in darkness. Uh, But the King James Bible, if you'll just read it, start in the New Testament, the book of John and Romans, just read it. Don't privately interpret it. Just read it. It will speak to your heart. Uh, The Word of God is powerful like that. Uh, And then we see the power of our God. First, the power in creation. In Psalm 19 and verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. It goes on to say that, that, that the creation is a language that speaks in every aspect of the earth. Uh, there's not a tongue or a language where it does not speak that, uh, the, the, the miracle of creation, uh, the power of God to create. And in, and in Romans 1, uh, 20, it says, Because of that creation, all people that reject God, All those that turn from the grace of God and do not turn to Jesus Christ will be without excuse because of creation. And that's how powerful it is. In Romans 1.20, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Now, we understand that we're in the last days. We understand that there's scoffers and mockers people. Uh, It's even getting uh, tougher at the doors than it was 10 years ago. Uh, People just are cold-hearted, not interested. And so we understand we're in the last days. And 2 Peter 3, uh, 3 through 5 says this, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Scoffers, scoffing at everything, mocking everything, walking about how they want to walk, doing what they want to do, how they want to do it. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, And saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, Uh, All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens of old uh, and and the earth were standing out of the water and in the water. They willingly denied the scriptures. They're willingly ignorant of the word of God and the creation of God and the power of creation. Our God is a powerful God. Not only in creation, but also in promotion. In promotion, 2024, what what do we have this, this year? It's an election year. God is, God is the God of elections. God is the God of promotions. Um, you don't need to fret with the, the affairs of this world. Don't worry about the votes in New Hampshire or wherever they're, the caucus or wherever they're voting, voting right now. Don't worry about that stuff. Get yourself unglued from that. Don't worry about the affairs of this life. We are not to be entangled with the affairs of this life. I'm not telling you not to vote. I'm telling you, don't be entangled with the politics of this thing going on. There's not anyone up there that is, that is an independent fundamental Baptist that believes the book like we believe the book, so be careful following any of those people. Uh, we'll vote for the best candidate, but do not get entangled with that, and this whole, uh, whole system is going to draw your attention to that. But understand this, there's, promotion comes from the north. The Bible says in Psalm 70, uh, 75, 6, and 7, for promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth, setteth up another. God's in control of all that. Because if you're going to be entangled with that, you're not going to be doing the most important thing, uh, which is to glorify God and to win the loss. That's the most important things for us. And I'll say that again. The most important thing in your life, everyone, young, old, male or female, to glorify God and to win the lost. That's your most important thing. To glorify God and to win the lost. That's your most important duty that you have. To glorify God, number one, first and foremost, before you win one soul, is to glorify God in everything. 
word, deed, things you eat, things you don't eat, where you go, where you don't go, and then win the loss. That is our responsibility. And then God is eternal. Psalm 92, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Uh, God is eternal. He's not created. He's always been. I understand we cannot wrap our head around this, but God is, is eternal and, and, and he's powerful. He's everlasting to everlasting. He always will be and he's all powerful. Job 42, 1 and 2. Then Job answered uh, the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and there, that no thought can be withholden from thee. And then Matthew nineteen twenty six. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Not only that, but God knows our thought. thoughts afar off. He knows our uprising, our downsitting. And so when we talk about how powerful the scriptures are, how powerful our God is, uh, let me get into the points that I want us to consider to make sure that we do not err. The first area I do not want us to err, not knowing the scripture nor the power of God, is assurance of our salvation. All right, the assurance of salvation, this is vitally important. Uh, everything, the foundation of this message and everything that we believe and everything do uh, is all, all on the assurance that we are born-again believers. Everything hinges on this. Because once you're able to say in your heart or with your mouth, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Right? Matter of fact, I am not trying to play jokes or tricks or anything like that, but I, I want everyone to participate online, uh, over the internet too, and right now. Uh, first, before you do that, I want you to turn, if you would, with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you're a born-again believer, right now in your pew where you're at, in the quietness of your heart, can you say right now in your heart, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior? Can you say that in your heart right now? Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Can you say in your heart right now, Jesus Christ is the only reason I'm going to heaven when I die? Can you say that in your heart? Jesus Christ is my Lord. He forgave my sins. He's taken me to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus. Can you say that in your heart right now? To have that assurance that he is your Lord and Savior. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. It says here in verse 3, Wherefore I give unto you understanding that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus, Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. You, you must have assurance of salvation because when he is Lord, and then we understand that he's Lord, then we call him Lord, then we have no excuse to call him Lord and do not the things that he says. He says, why well, call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Uh, so having that assurance that he is our Savior, he is our God, that gives us the understanding that we know the Scriptures and we know the power of God, therefore we can serve God. Uh, some Scriptures that tell us about knowing the Scriptures and the power of God uh, are found in 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. John 3:36 He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God abideth on him. John 5:24 Verily verily I say unto you he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death into life. Romans 6:23 For the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, 
It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 1 John 5, 10, all the way to 13. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believed not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may and know that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. He wants us to have that no-so salvation, that assurance of salvation. Not everyone has that. Not everyone has that. And when they do not have that, they are erring, not knowing the Scripture, neither the power of God. So there's no one in here that needs to doubt your salvation if you're born again. The only reason you would, number one, you have sin in your life or that you've, you have not been born again. And so make sure you get that settled because once you do, uh, then you can have victory in your life. You can walk in freedom. Uh, you can walk in doing the things that you do to please God. So that leads me to another point about erring um, and not knowing the, uh, the Scriptures, neither the power of God, and that's daily choices. Uh, so stay with me, if you would, daily choices. It is an absolute necessary that you die to self daily. Can I say that again? It is an absolute necessity that you die to self daily. If we do not die to self daily, that means our wants, our desires, our lust, our, the things that we want to do, if we do not die to ourselves daily, then we are in error, not knowing the Scripture, neither the power of God. Because if we're going to live in the power of our own flesh, we're going to make decisions that are going to hurt us and hurt other people around us. If we're not going to sacrifice to ourselves, or sacrifice ourselves daily on the altar of sacrifice for God to work in us and through us and use us, then what's going to happen is we're going to start dictating our will and doing the things that we want to do, and we're going to end up becoming a God unto ourselves. And we're going to navigate our lives exactly how we want to navigate it, pray every now and again, but we're going to be the one that makes the choices and decisions and not dying to ourselves, not dying to our flesh, and walking about to fulfill whatever we want to do in life and not surrender into the righteousness of God. It is vital uh, that we die daily so we make the right choices every day. Uh, those choices that we make do follow us. We understand this at Madison Baptist Church. What you sow, you reap. Be not deceived. God will not be mocked. If you're a believer, God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall reap life everlasting. Uh, we have to understand the principle of this and not err, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God, because if we go about uh, living our own life, how we're going to live it, we end up falling in the trap of Matthew 6, 24, where it says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You will lose your heart for God. You will lose your heart for the things of God if you're not willing to die to self daily. Okay, so this leads me to the, uh, the next point. Um, and, and if y'all didn't know this during the uh, super conference, I kind of picked up on this, but I started calling it the, the year of deconstruction. The year of deconstruction because it started with Brother Ross. He started with the deconstruction, not how to, not how to build up your children, not how to win your children, but 10 ways of how to lose your children. 10 ways you can lose your children. Uh, then Brother Savage got up, and, and I think he preached the message, the eyes of the, run, uh, the Lord run uh, to and fro, beholding the evil and the good. Uh, but he gave four things that the eyes of the Lord have never seen. A sinner he could not save, um, 
I think something about uh, healing, um, a sickness he could not heal. Um, the other one was a situation he could not resolve or a, a soul he did not love. Uh, and then pastor got up, kind of deconstructed uh, what's wrong with the church. And, and it comes to find out, Brother Tony, it was me. <laughs> it's me that's wrong with the church. Uh, sinners. Uh, that's what was wrong with the church. So I want to I stay on that line of deconstruction. And I, and I want to I find out or, or, or let us know how we can lose our heart and make sure that we have issues with every part of our life. How we can lose our heart and make sure that we have issues with every part of our life. Uh, so this is the list. I'll give you the verse after I'll give you the list. Uh, but this uh, deconstruction, how we can lose our heart and have problems with every, sing, every issue of life. Number one, make sure you have a forward mouth. This is how you lose your heart and make sure that you have issues with your life, every aspect of your life. Have a forward mouth. Be critical of everyone and everything. Find a family that you don't like and be critical of them. Find a brother or sister in Christ and be critical of them. Use your mouth to criticize and to complain and to find out everything around you that you don't like or approve of and how you would have done it different and how it should be different and make sure that you're allowing Adam's nature to have you as a criticizer and a mocker. That's how, this is a guaranteed how to lose your heart and have problems with every issue of life. Complain instead of being thankful. Complain about your health. Complain about your school. Complain about your finances. Complain about your food. Complain about your parents. I guarantee if, if you do that, you'll lose your heart and you'll have issues in every part of your life. I was able to reach a guy when I went to the uh, Huntsville Hospital. Uh, I used to work out. I, believe it or not, I used to work out. Um, but I met a guy, was able to reach him, uh, a little autistic. Uh, but when this guy calls, and he calls a lot, and he starts complaining about his health, his living conditions, about his mom, about his friends, his coworkers. And I'm patiently trying to listen to this because I already know the end of this. And then he tells me this. And I don't understand it, but I'm always depressed. It's a natural thing to be depressed and have issues with life and lose our heart if we're complaining all the time. What about accusing people of supposed things? Things that you don't know, but you suppose, you think you know. I know somebody that does that. I learned a long time ago he's our enemy, the old accuser. We call him Satan. The devil, but yet we play the role of the devil by accusing people? What, what, what right do we have to accuse people, uh, to make accusations against folks that we, have, we, we don't know their heart, we don't know what's in their heart? Uh, that's guaranteed to uh, how, how you can lose your heart and have problems in every issue of your life. Jesus warned this in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36, But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. So let me ask you this. Please do not err not knowing the scripture nor the power of God. With your mouth, you will, give you will have judgment for what comes out of your mouth. What comes out of my mouth, what comes out of your mouth, we will stand before God. This is a very serious thing. The things that we say with our mouth is not only gonna, we're going to have judgment for it, but it's going to affect us and it's going to affect others. And Matthew 12, 37, for by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So how to make sure that you lose your heart and have problems in every issue of your life. Uh, number two, make sure you look at the wrong things. The wrong things on any device. 
the wrong kind of videos. Matter of fact, get on Facebook and watch all the Facebook videos. Just go through all of them and watch all of them. That's how you're going to lose your heart and have problem with every issue of life. Look at the wrong kind of people. Look at their wicked behavior. Be jealous or envious of anyone that's not you, that dresses cooler, looks prettier, uh, seems, seems cooler than you, and be envious of them. And I can guarantee you that you will lose your heart and you'll have issue, uh, issues in every part of your life. Go to the wrong places at the wrong times or don't go to the right places at the right times. Matter of fact, if you want to lose your heart and, and have problems with every issue of life, stay away from anything church-related. When you get out of the house, when you have a free will, don't come to anything church-related because I can guarantee you, you will lose your heart and have problems in every issue of life. Stay away from church, including all church services, including special meetings, including blessed visitation, including, and, and mostly including church-wide visitation, ladies' meetings and prayer breakfast. Don't go to any of that stuff. Hang out with the people and friends and family who do not believe biblically. If you want to lose your heart and have issue in every part of your life, hang out with people that don't believe the Bible. Hang out with scoffers and mockers that don't believe the Scripture, and I can guarantee that you'll lose your heart and you'll have problems with every issue of life. Be double-minded. Don't follow through with any of the commitments that you made. Compromise on God's standard for Christian living. Compromise on every standard that you know. How to dress, how to live, how to forgive, how to walk, how to talk. Compromise all of it. And I can promise you, you'll, have, you'll lose your heart and you'll have issue in every part of your life. D don't go through with the commitments that you made to God. Don't go through with anything that you've laid on this offer. Don't go through with any of it. And I guarantee you, you'll lose your heart and you'll have problems in every issue of life. And please, don't repent of anything. Don't repent of anything. Not any of the words that you've spoken. Not any of the places you went or did not go. Not even the commitments you made and did not follow through. Don't repent of anything. And I can promise you that you will lose your heart and you'll have problems in every issue of your life. This is vital that we meditate on this and find out where do we err not knowing the Scriptures, neither the power of God in our own lives. And, and the verse, we all know it, Proverbs 4, 23 through 27, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. That's the word of God. So the deconstruction of how to make sure you lose your heart and have every issue, uh, every issue possible in your life, uh, those are the steps that you follow. Uh, so we're, we're going <laughs> to, and I didn't mean to get that, that intense right there, uh, but we're going to back down a little bit. And I want to I want to talk about prayer just for a moment. In in 2024, we're going to need a lot of prayer in our life. Uh, we're going to need prayer in our families. We're going to need prayer in our nation. We're going to need prayer for sick. Uh, Brother Wilson tonight is in the hospital. He's going to have that nuclear test. We need to be praying for Brother Wilson. There's people that are not born again that we need to pray for. Uh, prayer is going to uh, want to be made in 2024 more than ever. Uh, that's going to be this room right here uh, making prayer, um, and we're privileged to be able to pray. Uh, this is an awesome privilege that we have. In John 16, 24, the Bible says, Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Uh, prayer brings fullness of joy. I, I remember uh, it was 21 years ago, I think 22 this next, next month, uh, that I've been saved. Excuse me, 22 years. Uh, but I remember praying and asking Jesus Christ at that red light to save my soul. Uh, that was a, a sinner crying out to Jesus, would you please save me, forgive me? I understand I'm a sinner. I ask you, please, 
Would you forgive my sins? Take me to heaven when I die. Uh, and that sweet, that sweet uh, remembrance of getting born again, uh, the joy that that brought, also the joy, um, not of my salvation only, but getting in my prayer closet and praying for my wife and for a family, a Christian home. Uh, unfortunately, my parents were divorced when I was a very young age. Uh, they both got remarried several times. Uh, so after I got saved, I made a dedication to the Lord that I would only have one wife. By God's grace and God's mercy, I'll get married one time. Um, and, and, and I'm just so thankful for the wife that God has, has given me. Uh, and then also uh, the privilege I have to preach and minister in Alabama. Uh, and that's all because of prayer. That gives me great joy. Uh, if you didn't know this, I'm from the state of Texas. Um, and this is no fault of my own. Uh, but in the state of Texas, Brother Terry, they teach us to be very proud of our, our state, our heritage, the Alamo. I mean, very proud. I mean, come on, we have a Lone Star state on our flag. It's the Lone Star. We decorate in that stuff. So we became very proud uh, Texan, so proud that we invaded Alabama, Whataburger, Academy, Bucky's. I'm waiting for Shipley's Donuts to come. And then the big one of all, H-E-B, when it comes, we're just going to invade y'all completely. But the point I'm trying to make is, is, I don't know if you knew when I was called to Alabama, um, and, and some people say because he's the pastor's son-in-law, uh, I can tell you that that's so far from the truth. When I, the, first time, the first few years that I got here, uh, Brother Allison is, is such a great man. Um, and I say great men, we, we know we're all sinners, I'm talking about... He, Oh, I didn't mean to do that. Um, that he was very careful of nepotism. Uh, so we, we, we didn't get some of the blessings that others got because he didn't want to come across as nepotism for his son-in-law and his daughter. He was very careful of that. It was very noticeable to me. Very noticeable to me. Uh, but how we came here is that uh, a man in our church in Texas City had invested, uh, I would say, over $1,000 to fly Miss Allison and, and Brother Allison out to California uh, to a spiritual leadership conference, and he also flew uh, Carrie and I out to that same conference. He invested all this money in us. At the airport, he would give us $200 for spending money in California. And uh, I was up looking at the mission displays at, at this uh, leadership conference, and uh, Pastor Allison came to me, and he said, uh, I want you to pray about coming on staff at Madison Baptist Church. This would have been 2012, that summer of 2012. And uh, I, was, I had already surrendered to preach. God had already worked on my heart about uh, surrendering to full-time service. And uh, I went to prayer. Uh, and, and what I didn't do is I didn't tell my wife. And you say, how dare you not tell your wife? And I understand. I'm a husband that understands how smart my wife is and how much counsel she does have. Uh, but Carrie grew up in Madison Baptist Church. Not only that, she was an adopted daughter of Texas. And once you're an adopted daughter of Texas, it's hard to leave that state. But anyway, uh, the point is, is I didn't want her decision of wanting to come here or not wanting to come here uh, to skew God's will for us surrendering, quitting the job of 11 years, selling the house, moving to Alabama from Texas. And so prayer was want to be made, and we asked God for his leadership, and God gave the green light. And I remember the, the, the morning that I got the green light, and, and I, had, I had then told Carrie about what, what our plans were and, and putting the house up for sale and, and putting in the notice and everything else. Uh, matter of fact, when, when um, I had uh, got the green light that I was coming to Alabama, I decided to, to call my pastor uh, in Tech City, and I, and I went to call my pastor. And, and if you know my pastor, he would make coffee nervous. This is just a very energetic man. 
And I called, I called him and I wanted to say, um, uh, brother, I have some news for you. And he said, whoa, 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 before you have any news for me, I have news for you. I said, oh, oh wonderful, Pastor. What, what is your news? He says, I want to tell you that my wife and I are moving to Hawaii. And I said, well, that's interesting. I wanted to tell you my wife and I and kids are moving to Alabama. It wasn't the same, but um, in, <laughs> I got the better deal. I'm telling you that right now. Um, but through ministering to some of those people at work, uh, those people were lost, but yet we tried to minister to them. It was early in my Christian life. I, I learned Psalm 1 to separate from them, not to walk and sit with the scornful and, the, and, and those. So I, I didn't eat. I didn't sit down and break bread with them when I could avoid it. I avoided it. Uh, but it had an influence on in those men that before I left, uh, the, these men in this machinist shop got together and had a cake and a going away party. And they raised almost $300 to give me as a going away um, and I, I love those Texas guys. They, they said this when they handed it to me. They said that if you'll count the money and realize how much it is, you'll get the hint to realize it's enough to get you to Alabama, but you, that, that's about all it is. So don't get any ideals about coming back. <laughs> um, but that was all because of prayer. Because of prayer, we have the house uh, that we live in. Uh, because of prayer, we're going to see people saved this year. Uh, we're going to see people called to the ministry. We're going to see people healed. Uh, we're going to see amazing things happen all because of prayer. But, but is there a way that we should pray? Does God even tell us how we should pray? Does the scripture talk about that? How we should pray? It does. Um, how we should pray in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says pray without ceasing. That means that our, our sin accounts need to be short in our life. We need to be able to be on praying ground at all times. Uh, being able to pray for our loved ones making sure that we're not erring, not knowing the Scripture, nor the power of God, pray without ceasing. The Bible says in, in, in Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. 1 Timothy 2, 8, I, I will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. All right, and then the question I have uh, for you, uh, if you would turn to me, Luke chapter, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And really the question is, did God, did Jesus Christ teach us how to pray? Is, is, there, a, is there a way that we, we should know how to pray? And, and I'm going to say, yes, the scripture teaches us how to pray. In Luke chapter 11, we see here, uh, one of the disciples come to Jesus after he had prayed, and, and they ask him a question. Luke chapter 11, uh, beginning in verse 1, And it came to pass that as they were praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. And that is an amazing request to me. He, they did not ask, teach us to cast out devils or teach us to have power, uh, teach us to preach. They wanted to know how, how to be able to communicate with God, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And, then, and Jesus said unto them, when you pray, say, what are those next two words? Our Father. So Jesus says, when you pray, I want you to address the Father. That's who we address. And every time we pray, we are to address the Heavenly Father. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. 
beginning in verse 6. The Bible says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee over, openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Uh, and you could imagine the excitement when I got saved uh, from Catholicism and started reading my Bible and come across this verse. Uh, I, cu I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I remember being in Galveston, Texas. I'd get an ice cream sandwich afterwards, but a two-hour rosary where they'd play, pray the same prayer over and over and over. Then they'd get to the big bead and pray, Our Father, which art, and they would pray the model prayer, which Jesus never prayed. He says, this is how you pray. He never prayed it. Uh, but we're not to pray and use vain repetition as the heathen do. That does not mean that we cannot bring the same request. But we're not to, supposed to chant and repeat the same exact words over and over and over and over again as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Verse 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before ye ask Him. After this manner, therefore, uh, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. John 16, 23 says, In that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. John 15, 16, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit and your fruit should remain that whatsoever uh, you ask of the Father in my name, uh, he will give it you. It is important of how we pray. Uh, God gives us the blueprints of how we pray. We're to pray to the Father and we're to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, his name out loud uh, are in our heart. I pray all this in the power and authority of Jesus Christ, especially when you're out in the public. Uh, one thing that, that has, has, we, we have failed on, and I'm not talking about screaming Jesus' name when you pray for your, your dinner at a restaurant, uh, but being able to pray uh, in Jesus' name. Most of Hollywood and most of the world do not want to hear that name. Jewish people definitely don't want to hear that name. Most Jewish people, you say the name Jesus, uh, they'll get very angry with you. Uh, they do not want to hear the name that is above every name, the name at which has power, and that's by the authority that we go to the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That also goes in prayer. We go to the Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus, and we pray always in the power uh, of the Holy Spirit. Jude 20 says, But ye, beloved, building up your, your, yourselves on your most holy faith, uh, praying in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost helps us with our prayers as we oftentimes don't know how to pray for those that are sick, those that are hurting, uh, those that have lost loved ones. The Holy Spirit helps us as we pray to the Father, as, as children humbly go to the Heavenly Father and, and go to the throne of God boldly as His children praying in the authority of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can get a hold of God and make sure that we don't have hindrances of unconfessed sin, uh, having poor relationships in marriage, having uh, where, where we're not listening to the Word of God, uh, that we're being stubborn and things of that nat nature, not having compassion. Those things will hinder our prayer life. And so are we, are we in error? Not knowing the scripture, uh, neither the power of God when it comes to our prayer life. Uh, if we are, we just need to repent and get right and, and, and get biblical of how we talk to our God because he does have a blueprint for us. And the last one I'm going to go over very quickly, uh, but not erring and not knowing the scripture and the power of God about the two judgments. Uh, the first judgment is for those that do not know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Uh, the Bible refers to this as the great white throne judgment. And at this great white throne judgment, um, let me just read what it says about this in Revelation 20, 11 through 15. It says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, 
and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So let me give you the picture very quickly there. Those that do not know Jesus Christ will be at this great white throne judgment. There's going to be a bunch of books there, and out of those books are going to be the times that you help folks out, the times that you gave to the homeless or you helped someone buy food. Uh, those works are going to be in those books. But when the book is open for the book of life, that person's name will not be found in there. They'll then be judged out of the works that they did in this life, whether they be good or bad, and the degree of the measure of hell that they'll be placed in uh, will be in that, in, in that book, and they'll be cast into hell and to outer darkness into the lake of fire for all eternity. Uh, well, they'll be screaming out forever for a drop of water to cool their tongue. That's going to be this judgment seat. The Bible goes on to say, and then the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and hell uh, delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Uh, do not err, not knowing the scripture nor the power of God, if you are not born again, if you have not recognized yourself as a hopeless, helpless sinner who have sinned against God's love and God's law, understanding that you're condemned and, and that hell is your home. If you humble yourself, and even tonight, call on Jesus Christ to save your soul. To, to forgive your sins, to take you to heaven when, when you die. He'll save you even tonight. Cry out to him to save you, to forgive you. Jesus Christ is the only hope that you have. He is the God of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He'll give you eternal life. Amen. And you can escape this judgment. You, don't, you do not, no one, no one has to go here. No one. But it's going to be our responsibility that these people don't go here. We have to work like everything to make sure these people don't go to this, this judgment seat. Um, excuse me, and then we have the uh, saved judgment seat of Christ. This is for believers. This is how uh, we react to the messages that we hear, uh, the behaviors that we have in the Christian body that we have, the blood body that we have, how we're going to navigate through this, how that we die to self, how that we live for Him. This is what we're going to give an account. And we, do, we definitely do not need to err and not knowing the Scripture nor the power of God because we will give an account uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 10, and 11 says, for we, uh, excuse me, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he had done, whether it be good or bad. Folks, we're going to give an account for every idle word that we spoke, every idle thought, every good thing, and every bad thing. We, are, we do not escape. Uh, we escape hell, but we do not escape the judgment seat of Christ. We do not escape the chastening hand of God. Do not err, not knowing the scriptures, neither the power of God. We will give an account for what we do and what we don't do. Where we go, where we don't go. We'll give an account for our faithfulness, for our lack of faithfulness, for our lukewarmness, for our lack of love. We'll give an account for all that. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but are made manifest in the God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. Uh, this is the message tonight. Let us not err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. I, I'm not going to have an invitation, uh, but we are just going to, we're going to have a time of prayer where you sit in your pew. Uh, those that play the pianos and the music can start making their way up here. Uh, we'll have the piano playing lightly as we, I'll go to prayer. Then we'll just have a time, just a, a silent time. You do business with God. If he's spoken to you, uh, let's pray. Father, we come before you again tonight and we thank you so much for preserving your word for us. Uh, for it's by the word we know the power of God. Uh, for by, by the word of God we know how to please you. We know how to live for you. Uh, you've given us everything we need in our life to be successful uh, for your honor and glory. Uh, tonight, Father, I pray that uh, if anyone...
uh, does not know you as personal Savior. They just make that, that simple decision to believe. Uh, matter of fact, they would, they would transfer all their trust, all their faith to you and you alone. And not a feeling, not an emotion, just a trust. And they would trust in your death, burial, and resurrection. And Father, I pray for your, your, your children, uh, Father, for each of us, that we would repent, uh, that we would make decisions that would glorify you and you would help, help us to be used greatly this year uh, in our prayer life and our soul winning and ministering to one another. Uh, Lord, help us to bring glory to you. And Lord, please protect your church and revive us, we pray. We ask all this in Jesus' name.